from Psalm 105, 1 through 7, and then we'll skip down to verse 39. Hear the word of the Lord. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he's pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. And then down to verse 39. He spread out a cloud as a covering and a fire to give them light at night. They asked and he brought them quail. He fed them well with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It flowed like a river in the desert. For he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they fell heir to what others had toiled for, that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. May God add his blessing to that word. Please be seated. Well, some of you may remember, but last spring we did a series called Seven Words That Could Just Change Your Life. And on Easter Sunday, I decided to use the word, wow. When we think about what God has done in Jesus by his coming to this earth and dying on the cross and being raised again from the empty tomb, we begin to realize that, that we have been given so much because what Jesus experienced gives us eternal life. And when you stop and you think about it all, the only adequate response, it seems to me, is wow. Just wow. I'm sure that you have some wow moments in your life. One of those was kind of last night as I was tuning into that, that uh, game and, and suddenly that they began to, the tribe did so well. I'm not allowed to call them the tribe anymore, but the guardians uh, did so well. And that was a surprise. And man, was it, was it exciting to watch them come through. But I think of that moment when I stood at an altar and this beautiful, gorgeous young woman began to walk down an aisle, and she said to me, I do. And I said to her, I do. And I think, wow. The birth of my children were one of those wow moments. 27 years ago, when the leaders of this church decided to hire a 25-year-old, fresh-out-of-seminary preacher to become its pastor, I still think about what were they thinking they were thinking they were getting someone really cheap is what they were thinking. But at the moment, it was, wow, can you believe it? Do you know this morning, if you're a Christian, your greatest wow, however, is ahead of you. When you stand before the throne of God, you won't stand for long because you will be compelled to fall on your knees and praise him at the glory and the majesty of the one who created you. It will be an awesome wow moment. A woman named Mona Simpson was a writer trying to eke out a living in her small apartment in New York City when she received a phone call. She learned that she had a biological brother she didn't know about. He had learned about 
her and wanted to meet her. It was actually something kind of like some of the novels that she had tried to write. They met, and he told her that he was into technology. She said, well, that's kind of interesting, but you need to know I still use a manual typewriter to write my books. However, she was considering purchasing a computer. Well, he told her it was a good thing that she hadn't gotten one yet because he was in the process of designing a computer so intensely beautiful it would change the world and she'd be glad that she waited. Of course, her newfound brother's name was Steve Jobs. Now, that's a true story. Imagine one day you woke up and found out that Steve Jobs was your brother. Well, she was stunned, of course, to meet him. But she also said that those were not the most stunning words she ever heard from Steve Jobs. Those would come later, and I'll come back to that. I want you to see this picture. This exists on the rim of the Grand Canyon. It's a very simple sign. It says, one minute, don't read, don't talk, no photos, just look and see. Sometimes we don't look and see. You know, the scripture says, taste and see. The Lord is good. How many wows do we miss in our world? You know, we, we are so jaded by the sin around us, so, so impacted and warped by what we read in the paper. Of course, we don't read papers very often, but we'll hear it from the media. We'll, we'll hear all the bad news, and we miss seeing so much. So many people, God hasn't really done anything for me today. My job is dull my car is old, my hair looks bad, my kids didn't get a scholarship, I don't have a spouse, or I do, but I'm pretty sure I got the wrong one, and it goes on and on. How easy it is, isn't it, to go through life and not have anything to praise God for. And yet this morning, you woke up in a world you didn't create. The sun comes up, you had water to drink and food to eat, and you had a warm bed. Your heart is beating, your lungs are breathing, your mind is working. And what's more, today, you have a God who loves you. You have a church where you can grow in Christ. And if you want he offers to be your Savior. And if you will let him, he'll give you the Holy Spirit to guide you in your life. And as a Christian, you have a purpose and the promise of heaven too. You woke up this morning, and in fact, the God who made this universe listened to this. It turns out he's your father. It turns out he's your father. I don't know about you, but that's a wow in my book. And when we truly experience that wow moment and it gets directed toward God, in Scripture we have one word for that, worship. Worship is the 
obvious reaction to our discovery of the goodness and the character and the person of God. We are commanded, therefore, in Scripture to practice worship. We read it this morning in Psalm 105. The psalmist said, Give praise to the Lord. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. And the Bible, of course, is just full of statements and commands like this. And I want to just take a moment here and think about that because in our day, there are a lot of people who wonder, why? Why would God want people to constantly praise him and worship him? That seems a little needy, doesn't it? Can you imagine a, a movie star or a CEO or, or a certain politician that wants a bunch of people to stand around and tell them how great they are all the time? It seems a little far-fetched, I know, but, but people wonder, is God like that? C.S. Lewis said that before he became a believer, this is one of those questions that really kept him from God. It troubled him for, for those same reasons. What kind of God is like that? But then he noticed something about the human spirit. He noted any time we see beauty or excellence or something that is admirable, our experience of that is actually incomplete until we are able to express our joy. In other words, if, if we couldn't express our joy, if we couldn't say anything or share anything, it would just be so unsatisfying. We, we, we naturally, when we experience the joy of that moment, it naturally produces praise. It just wants to be expressed. That's why when something good happens, uh, we get on our social media to share with our friends what has occurred. And so we say, you know, you have to read this book. You, you have to listen to this song. You have to take this trip. You have to enjoy this food. Because joy inevitably flows into praise. This was so amazing. It was so much fun, so very good. And we want others to share in that experience too. That's part of the fun of it all. Parents, your, your kids do something awesome. You have to tell your coworkers about it. Joey made a touchdown on Friday night. That's who we are. Joy produces praise. We're just made that way. So God delights it, in it, not because God is this needy, empty character with such a low self of sense of self-esteem that he needs you to praise him all the time. Not at all. In fact, in the ancient world, worship often involved a, a sacrifice. And often people believed that the reason that the gods needed sacrifice is because they were hungry and they needed people to feed them. In fact, if you read the old creation narratives of the ancient folks, they believed that the gods created people for that very reason, to raise food and feed them. That's what sacrifice was for. Except not for the God of Israel. In fact, there's actually a line in, from God in the Psalms that says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. God is like, listen, if, if I have an appetite, I have plenty of ways to satisfy it, not needing you to do anything about it. God is not needy physically or emotionally this morning. 
He delights in our praise because it means that we're awake. We're awake to all the gifts, to all of the goodness, to all of the beauty, and to the wonder of what it is to absolutely be alive. We were dead in our sin, but now we're alive to God. And the only adequate response to that is to worship him. I read this week, some of you may have read it too, in our Daily Bread, a study by psychologist Robert Emmons. He divided volunteers into three different groups that each week made an entry into a journal. One group was tasked with writing five things that they were grateful for. One group wrote five things that were hassles to them. And a control group listed five events that had impacted them in a small way. Well, the result of that study revealed that those in the gratitude group ended up feeling better about their lives overall, were more optimistic about their future, and reported fewer health problems. Worshiping, in other words, giving thanks, learning to praise, spending time renewing and being reviewing God's grace brings us life. C.S. Lewis, in his wisdom, noticed that. He noticed that when people genuinely began to worship and praise a holy God, their lives were changed. He said it this way. He said, praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. That's a great picture of praise. Over these last Six weeks, I guess, we've been talking about the values of our church, and I'm not going to take the time to go through each of them, but I want us to reflect on the last one. The last one is this. Alive people worship Jesus. Alive people worship Jesus. And can I ask you this? I know it's early. But are you alive this morning? Alive in Christ? Christ is risen and you believe with your whole heart that he's going to raise you up too? What is your response to who he is and what he has done? As part of our church, I wonder then, can we agree together as a community of faith who says we put our trust in Jesus Christ to lay some stakes down into the ground and say, this is who we are. Let me give you a couple of these. Number one, I want us to be a church that wholeheartedly worships our God. We will offer wholehearted worship to Jesus Christ. Now, when I say wholehearted, I don't mean half-hearted or perfunctory, or ritualistic. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we're, we're really grateful you're here, but I'm talking to our folks. If you're a follower of Jesus, and if Friends Church is your home, I wonder if we can't make this commitment together. When the church gathers for worship, we will do everything we can to be there to join in. Somehow, in our day, and this is rampant right now, more and more people are forgetting this is what the people of God do. 
It's just what we do. I read recently that in the South, the largest group of religious people are evangelicals who don't attend church. Evangelicals who don't attend church. In other words, they are happy to identify as evangelical, but they make no association with a church. The term evangelical, as a result, is more a political statement than it is a religious one, a faith statement. An evangelical used to be one who believed that salvation was in Jesus Christ alone, and they wanted to share that good news with, with their neighbors. I recently saw where 43% of evangelicals surveyed disagreed with the statement that Jesus Christ was fully God. This is a phenomenon we've seen in our churches and more so since COVID that a regular attender in church used to be one who attended three or four times a month at minimum. Now, a regular attender is considered to be one person who attends once or twice a month. And I guess we see that right here at North Homestead. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not sure that's healthy. I know it's not healthy for the church. And I do not believe it's healthy for God's people. And it certainly is not healthy for our young people who learn that worshiping God is optional. For Christians... It's not. A Christian who doesn't worship God is an oxymoron. And I would emphasize the moronic part of that. It doesn't make sense. To know God is to adore him, to love him, to want to know him better, to be among his people where you can grow in grace. The writer of Hebrews said it well. He said, let us not give up our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The Bible says this, God inhabits the praises of his people. Think about how profound that is. When we gather for worship, when we sing his praises, when we celebrate his name, he says, I'm right there in the midst of it all. I think that that means so many different things, but, but when we come together, one of the things I, mean, I think it means is someone in the room may come into this place, and they may have lost a loved one, and they may not feel like singing, but someone's there to sing for them. When, you, when someone comes into this place, and they feel betrayed, and maybe they're hurting, but you can reach out and give them a hug. You're Jesus Christ to that person in that moment. Someone comes in and they're riddled with anxiety. Maybe their faith is struggling, but you're here and you're a representative of Jesus Christ and you can let them know that you're going to hold them up with your prayer. Our prayers ought to be every time we come into this place, God, I know you're here. You promised you would be here. Would you use me? as your ambassador of grace, to connect with someone today, to, 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 to value them, to let them know they're cared for, to let them know that, God, you're alive, in, and, and use me to do it. We came 
we, we come together to sing the glory of his name, to make his praise glorious. Why? Because he's worth it. He is worth our best, our best praise, our best time, our best offerings. And by the way, if he's worth your coming at all, he's worth your coming on time. And I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I realize that, that that's one of those things we can just kind of get very careless about. And boy, I know Satan disrupts and he tries to confuse and he causes chaos on Sunday morning. I, I've been there. I'm a family man. I understand those things. But I think it's important to honor him with our very best. And that's a simple way to do so. Secondly, not only should we worship God with our whole hearts, but let's worship him with our minds. Let's be mindful in our worship. Psalm 105 recalls the story of God's people. You see the whole story laid out. The people of God are being reminded of what he has done. Ecclesiastes says, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. We come in this place to remember who he is. Engage your mind. Put down your phone and wonder and, and just be excited about who he is. The Bible says, think on these things, whatever is beautiful and true and admirable. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And you know why? Because we forget. I need to hear the gospel often. Why? Because I forget. And in worship, thirdly, I'd say this. Let's choose joy. Again and again, we're told in Scripture to choose joy. I can't help but this morning think of the Apostle Paul. He's in trouble. He's in chains. He knows very likely he's headed to execution. And so he writes these words in the book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord occasionally. Of course, he really didn't say that, did he? He said, rejoice in the Lord when something really goes your way. No. Rejoice when you wake up looking terrific, or your hair is fabulous, or you get a raise at work, or you win the lottery. No. Rejoice in the Lord always. And to emphasize it, let me say it again. Rejoice. And my friends, that is the refrain of Scripture. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. I have written these things to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy would be made complete. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I read this week that the average four-year-old laughs 300 times a day the average 40-year-old laughs just four times a day. What changed? Maybe that's why Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter my kingdom. I mentioned earlier that Steve Jobs' most amazing words came later in his life, at least according to his sister. He said, like 
uh, he was, like all human beings, a man of complexity, but with some amazing gifts. If you know anything about Steve Jobs, you know he was a difficult person, right? Difficult to get along with, but he suffered for uh, quite a while with various physical issues, but the, the final one was cancer. His biographer says that when they went to find nurses, he went through 67 of them to find three that he would work with. He was a guy with very high standards. When they brought him an oxygen mask, imagine this. He, he loved beauty of design so much that even though he was heavily sedated and needed that mask to breathe, he ripped it off his face because he said it was too ugly for him to wear. And so they had to bring him five different masks to give him an option of the one that he would choose. At his memorial service, his sister Mona told this story. She said, at the very end of his life, his breathing had become labored. He was lying in that bed. His family was gathered around him. He, she said, he looked at me, his sister. He looked at his children. He looked at his wife. And Steve Jobs, this amazing life, spoke one last time. And these were his words. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now, I don't know necessarily what those words mean. We don't know if he was thinking about what was, was behind him in his life or perhaps what was before him. We don't know if he was being grateful or fearful or if he saw something in that room that no one else could see. But I listened to those words. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What I do know is this. That Jesus taught that your ultimate wow is ahead of you. Your final moment will come... And then there's a moment after that. And I hope we're ready for that moment. And so we have this moment. We have this opportunity. And I just want to ask you, are you right with God? Do you know what happens at that final moment? Do you have the assurance of grace? If so, give him glory and praise and adoration and let God's people sing, worship him. And if not, then would you humble yourself and say, Lord, I need you. And ask him for grace and forgiveness because of what Christ has done. And in this moment, give him your everything. Because he's worth it. Let the people of God worship God. Will you pray with me? Father, oh, how I love to use that to recognize the certainty that you are Father. I want to praise you. 
I want to thank you. I want to fall in love with you more this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that these last moments we have together in this sanctuary would be an opportunity for us to unashamedly, unapologetically, and boldly sing your praises, to lift the name that is above every name, because there is coming another moment when, Lord, we will see you in all your glory. May we practice worship now that our hearts might continue to be prepared for that moment then. Oh God, inhabit the praises of your people. I pray this in your name. Amen.